I'd like to welcome you once again to Graceland Church Online. My name is Ryan Brown, and I have the privilege of serving as one of your pastors. And before we open up God's Word this morning, would you please bow with me for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, we give you this time. We thank you for the uh, technology that you've given us to be able to gather together as believers online. We're so thankful for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us. May you be glorified in it. May your, your son Jesus be magnified through the preaching of your word. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever asked the question, how long will this last? Let me take you back to January of 2003, January 8th. To be specific, it was the day that I proposed to my beautiful wife, Jenny. And then we set a date to get married on May the 15th of 2004. It was the longest 16 months of my life. And I asked that question a lot. How long will this last? How long will this last? At the time, one of the greatest challenges for us in this season is that we lived in different places. I was attending school up in Bloomington, Indiana at IU. She was living in southern Indiana and going to the University of Louisville. And so not being able to spend time together, not being in each other's presence, the fact that we were apart, it left an emptiness for me. I couldn't be in her presence. In fact, I, I would lose weight. I wasn't eating well because of this physical separation. And even though I knew the answer, to this question, even though I knew it would be 16 months and I knew the answer to the question, how long will this last? It was so, so difficult. Maybe you've been asking this question lately. Maybe you've been asking, how long will this pandemic last? How long will we have to social distance? How long before things get back to normal and we can gather together. How long will this fear, this anxiety last all because of COVID-19? Well, I'm sure that most of us have asked this question in the last few weeks. Um, we've probably all asked this question in our lives at some point in time. How long will this last? How long will this heartache last because of this breakup? How long will this pain and this suffering last because of this diagnosis? How long will my loved one have to be halfway around the world fighting for our freedom? How long will I be without work? And what do we do in the middle of all this? What do we do in the midst of uncertainty? What do we do in the absence of answers? This morning, I want to encourage you with this. Seek God's presence in the absence of answers. Seek God's presence in the absence of answers. If you have your Bible with you, please open them up with me to Psalm chapter 24. And as you're turning there, let me set the stage for when David writes this song and give you a little bit of background. David has asked this question all throughout his life. How long Will this last? He's asked this time and time again as he prepares to write this song. He reminds the people of Israel, his people, he's king over Israel. He reminds them of a time when they were wandering in the desert after having left Egypt. He reminds them of the time when they were asking this question regularly, how long will this last? But after several decades, God comes to them, brings his presence to them in the form of the Ark of the Covenant. Later, a neighboring enemy would eventually take the Ark 
And then David would um, go and take the ark back. You can read about that in 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and 16. It's an incredible story of David and Israel recapturing the ark and taking the ark back up into the tabernacle as the ark ascends the holy hill of God. And so Psalm 24 is written after these events take place. And it's a celebration of who God is and for what he's done, for the fact that he has fought a battle for them, he has liberated them, he is now back in camp with them, his presence is there. And David writes this song of salvation. He writes a song celebrating all that God has done and the fact that they have his presence again in the Ark of the Covenant. In this story, everything leading up to writing this song, David continually seeks God's presence in the absence of answers. Now, as we read this psalm, I want to focus in on a few questions. Why should we seek God's presence, especially in the absence of answers? Who can enter God's presence? And then how can we enter God's presence? And so the first question I have for us this morning is this. Why seek God's presence, especially in the absence of answers? Let's read together in Psalm chapter 24, beginning verse 1. It says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. I want you to notice a couple of really important things in these two verses. First, it tells us that God is ruler over the world, and he's also ruler of all of those who dwell within it. He is creator, and because he is creator, he has authority over his creation. So in the midst of uncertainty, we should seek God's presence. In the absence of answers, we should seek God's presence, and not just to get answers, but rather because he has authority over our lives. He is king of the land and he is king of our hearts. God created us to be in his presence and so he wants us to run to him to be in his presence. But let me ask you these questions. Do you see life through a God-centered filter, through a God-centered lens? Do Do you recognize that you are not the central character in the story? Let me tell you, it's okay to ask the question. It's okay to ask the question, how long will this last? In fact, I think it it shows us all throughout the Psalms that we need to cry out to God. We need to go to God, to run to him, to ask him questions. But our response shouldn't be so that we just find out the answers. But it should be so that we run to the one who has the answers. Next, who can enter the presence of God? Why should we enter his presence? Because he is creator and he has authority over our lives but we next we'll look at who can enter God's presence let's keep reading it picking up in verse three it says who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And so here, here we see who can come into the presence of God the Father. Those who have clean hands, those who have a pure heart, those who do not lift up their souls to what is false, those who do not swear deceitfully. Augustine, a fourth century bishop, he says this, 
He says our, our primary problem isn't just that we believe wrong things or it isn't just that we do wrong things, but he says that our primary problem is, is that we do wrong things and we think wrong things because we love wrong things. We love wrong things. So let me ask you this. How are you doing with these things? Having a clean heart, having a or pure heart and clean hands. How are you doing in those things? And I don't know about you, but I do not measure up. I cannot meet these qualifications. In verse 5 and 6, it tells us those that can meet these qualifications, then they're going to receive blessing. They're going to receive righteousness. They're going to, those that seek and enter God's presence receive this righteousness. But if we can't, if we can't meet those requirements, how can we receive these blessings? How can we enter God's presence. Let's keep reading. Picking up in verse 7, it says this, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Notice with me that this psalm, it, it turns from the people of God seeking to enter the presence of God and to know God. And now we see God seeking to enter the presence of his, his people. These verses turn our attention to the King of glory and the King of glory wanting to come into the presence of those that are seeking the face of God. These verses show us how we can enter the presence of God. And because we can't meet the qualifications listed in verses 3 and 4, since we can't enter into God's presence, God chose to enter into our presence. And he did this by sending his son, Jesus. So who is this king of glory? Scripture tells us that he is strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? He's the one that we lift our heads to. Who is this king of glory? He's the one that we acknowledge. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord of all. He is the Lord of hosts. Who is this king of glory? It's King Jesus. In order for us to enter God's presence, he had to enter our presence first. Going back to the story I began with of being engaged to my wife, Jenny, those 16 months that were so difficult, being separated physically, um, not being able to be in each other's presence. I just needed to be with her. Just needed to be around her. And let me tell you, it didn't make life easier. It didn't make school easier. It didn't make the weight any less. But her presence is what I needed. And back then, we knew exactly how long it would take. We knew it would take 16 months for us to be married. We had the answer to this question. How long will this last? Unfortunately, where we are now and in our circumstances, we have no idea how long this coronavirus will last. But we do know who the King of glory is. And so when we ask the question in verse 3, who shall ascend the hill of the glory? Uh, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? When we think about who can ascend the hill to be with God, the answer is no one. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own, but praise God that Jesus ascended the hill for us. Jesus went to Calvary on our behalf. Jesus died for you, and he died for me. And so this morning, 
I, wanna, I want you to hear this, and I want to ask you these questions, especially for those of you, first of all, that don't know Jesus. How long have you been trying to climb the hill alone? You see, friends, grace is Jesus doing for you what you can't do on your own. And in this time where you don't have answers, I would just encourage you to seek the presence of the one who does. Jesus wants to enter into a relationship with you. He died for you and he was raised from the grave for you. If you do know Jesus, if you call Graceland home, I just want to encourage you and I want to offer assurance to you. I want to give you comfort in this time of uncertainty that Jesus wants you to seek out his presence. His work on the cross was for you so that you could have full access to God, the Father. The veil has been torn and you can enter his presence. Friends, Psalm 21, 121 says this, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus is wanting to come. Jesus is wanting you to come into his presence. Will you let the king of glory in? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word and for your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak into the lives of each and every person who is hearing this message. May you draw us ever closer to yourself, into your presence, and may you draw us deeper into relationship with your son, Jesus, the King of glory. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.